When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast. Presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into our Sunday remote version of the CHGO White Sox podcast. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me is Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber and Number one Padres fan I know, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We are here to talk some MLB playoffs. We're here to give the report card to Lucas Giolito for his 2022 season. And maybe uh, we'll also talk about a managerial interview uh, that will happen for the White Sox. Tomorrow we will be giving out our report card for Jose Abreu live on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. So make sure you tune in at 4 o'clock to talk about Pito. And we're looking for your thoughts because, you know, if the face of the franchise ends up leaving and he ends up not re-signing with the team, we want to know how it's going to affect fans. So make sure you join us live at 4 p.m. tomorrow for the CHGO White Sox live show. But gentlemen, Herb, I'm going to start with you. Mm -hmm. You slayed the dragon. Damn right. It feels good. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not a San Diegan anymore. I do not um want to take away from people who actually suffered through bad years of the Padres play I just started being a fan in 2015 so to see them and how the Dodgers pretty much have handled them year after year after year and don't even consider them anything their main rival is the Giants the Padres main rival is the Dodgers and the Dodgers could not give two cents uh, about them but to just dominate them this whole series where it looked like they were the uh, the more talented team it was a great thing to see and they've beaten the 101 win Mets and now they've beaten the 111 win Dodgers and of course they'll host now they'll be the favorites in the NLCS versus the Phillies who are the team that's right behind them in the wild card standings here you go this is the uh the new format in action right I mean mm-hmm. we've on the NL side of the bracket Congratulations on a very nice regular season, Dodgers. Congratulations on a very nice regular season, Braves and Mets. Too bad you're not invited to the party. Uh, I mean, I, I think this is what people wanted to see in a way. It's certainly entertaining, uh, you know, and you get your whole uh, March Madness style underdogs uh, advancing, uh, which I think every sport is always trying to uh, inject some into their playoff uh, bracket. But um if you're someone who thinks that the regular season uh, should should be the most important thing when it comes to uh, crowning a champion, uh, well, uh, this is not for you. And uh, I'm sure it will not be going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but uh, like I said, very exciting stuff, certainly on Saturday. Uh, I mean, basically every game was was uh, the outcome at the very least, if not the actual minute to minute watching it was just crazy. Uh, you know what happened down in Houston or wow. in Seattle, rather, with Houston. Uh 
you know, and even the Phillies, you know, a big inning there to to kind of uh, surge into that series win. Um, and then obviously, I'm sure we're going to uh, talk about uh, what's going on with Cleveland and New York. But uh, hey, it's been a fun playoff so far. And I think uh, that's all you can ask for uh, is something memorable, uh, you know, and we'll leave the uh, the high concept stuff to uh, to another day. Well, I mean, we could talk fan stuff. I think it is interesting. Like, why, why do we think there have been so many upsets so far? We could talk about the Phillies uh, over at the Braves. That one was shocking. We could talk about the Yankees, uh, you know, being down two to one right now to the Guardians. That's the only series that's currently going on. Um, and then the Phillies upsetting the Braves. Uh, e- even the Mariners, I know it wasn't, you know, it was a, it was a sweep. It was three nothing. But, I mean, that, that game went 21 innings. Uh, the first one was Robbie Ray giving up a home run to Jordan Alvarez in the ninth inning down you know, eight to five, right? I mean, this was still a, a very, you know, we saw competitive series around the, the league. Um, what do we attest this to? What, what's the biggest reason why these upsets are happening in your guys' mind? I just think that, firstly, the wild card round or the first, whatever you call it, it gives you a head start. It gives you a head start into playoff baseball. You get to that level initially. And while the buys seem good, Stop playing baseball for five days is not a great thing, especially when you're rolling. The Dodgers had been, you know, they uh, they had interviewed Freddie Freeman for the um, for the series starting. He's like, yeah, the Padres been hot. We've been hot for six months, you know, kind of thing. But you got cooled down because you couldn't play a game for five days. This is the unintended consequences of being a buy team. I think everybody is now looking at these series and saying, wow. All we got to get into is the tournament. Like we say that every year, but now they see it happening where the five and the six are in the National League. The seeds of the five and six are in the National League Championship Series. And yes, the Houston Astros have come out on top, but they'll be having to probably play a Cleveland Guardians team. You know, it's up to one right now that made the playoffs as a low division winner. And everybody was saying that division sucks. Cleveland's acquitting itself very well. So only thing you need to make is the playoffs. And this is good for White Sox fans, knowing that next year it doesn't take them to win the division, doesn't take them to um, beat the Astros and the Yankees because maybe they get beat by some other team. Just get in the tournament and you might have a shot. Yeah, and I mean, as it applies to the White Sox, too, I think everybody can basically see whatever side of the coin that you're on when it comes to what you think gets you to a championship, what you think makes you the best team in baseball, everybody should be disappointed right now. Uh, Whether, you know, whether you're the, oh my God, you got to spend a ton of money guys, or whether you're the, you know, oh my God, you've got to, you know, have this deep, deep, deep farm system guys, you know, obviously those things are nice. You want to have more good players than other teams, but it just goes to show you that, you know, the team that I think every White Sox fan and probably every fan of every 29 teams in baseball said they would want to be they would want their organization to be is the los angeles dodgers Mm -hmm. the los angeles dodgers don't even have a shot at playing for a pennant this year um it's you know it 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 there is no uh recipe there is you know the recipe is win baseball games and uh herb i think there's a lot to what you said because uh Everybody says it in every sport all the time, like, oh, watch the team with the bye. They're going to have, you know, the rest is going to throw them off. In baseball, more than any other sport, that is a thing. Because what is baseball? Baseball's playing every day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if you're if you're in the NBA and you've got, you know, you're sitting around for three days before a, a, a team wraps up its series and comes to you, well, that happens in basketball. You have three days off between games sometimes. It ha- certainly it happens in football where you'll just have a bye week sometimes, you know, and, and you'll, you'll go – almost two full weeks without playing 
in baseball, the most the most days you're going to have off in a row is one. And uh, to to have to uh, sit around for a whole series, it allows the other teams to keep playing baseball. And that is uh, that is what you're trying to do is trying to win baseball games. And that uh, if you're if you're doing that while the other team is sitting at home, just spinning its wheels, all of a sudden cooling off from a, a season where every single day is is, is playing a game. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I'm not going to say that that's going to be the ultimate advantage because watch, we'll have this next year and it'll be one, two, one, two in the CSs, I'm sure. But uh, for right now, yeah, it would seem to make sense that uh, momentum is a thing because what do they always say? Get hot at the right time, right? And uh, that's what these teams that are that are winning are doing right now. Well, I, I mean, also, I mean, we were seeing, especially in the Philly series, you hit more home runs than the other opponent, you're going to win. And that's what shocked me about yesterday's uh, win for the Guardians was, you know, Three home runs from the Yankees. I thought the Guardians would be dead in the water. Helps you out hit them 15 to 5. Um, but uh, very just, you know, Guardians ball of them to stay alive. And I, I'm not really sure what to make of this entire postseason outside of Lucas Giolito saying we need to be like the Astros um, after last year's postseason or uh, postseason series loss. Uh, seems to be like it should have been more and more true. Like uh, that, that should have been more of the uh, the goal right there. And that's why I'm standing on the pillar to hire Joe Espada. Um, you know, let's be like the Astros. How about how about that, folks? Uh, I just consistency uh, from the Astros. And it's uh, very fun to see that team uh, just churn. And they, they might not spend the most money in baseball. Uh, they might not have the deepest farm system uh, in baseball, but it just seems like everything in that organization clicks. Um, and they, they really don't, uh, they're really not afraid of any moment, whether it's, you know, down eight, five in the ninth inning or zero, uh, zero in the 18th inning. And here comes your rookie shortstop who you didn't pay a hundred million dollars and he hits the game winning home run. Uh, just pretty crazy stuff from the Astros and just a, a model of consistency. That team has been uh, over their rebuild. And it's been really impressive. Um, but the guardians, let's talk a little bit about them being up to one. They have a game tonight at six Oh seven versus the Yankees. They can win this series. Talk about upsets. The Phillies would be, uh, you know, uh, upsetting the Braves. You have the uh, Astros defeating the Mariners, but then the Padres defeating the Dodgers. Um, the Guardians can make this three out of four upsets here. Uh, and and how should White Sox feel if the Yankees lose this series to the Guardians? Herb, I'll start with you. How should White Sox fans feel if the Guardians upset the Yankees? I think I would speak for myself. I'm going to feel great if the Cleveland Guardians can go and defeat the Yankees. That tells you that, yes, we had a terrible division, but our the best of our best goes out and competes with the best in the American League and defeats them at their own game. And I would say you would want to lose to one of the teams that's uh, that's competing in the ALC, uh, AL Championship Series because that will give you a mark. It's like, okay, we had a mark on our back in 2022 because everybody was chasing us. Now the Cleveland Guardians are one of the best teams in baseball. They're still the, one of the youngest teams. That's what we got to strive for. And I think that would create some movement from for the White Sox in the front office, seeing that it's not that Cleveland won some bad division because they're just the best of the worst. No, they're actually a good team. And now we need to get to their level to compete with them in the American League, not just the Yankees and the Astros. The Cleveland Guardians in our own division are the ones that we got to be shooting for. And so I want them. I'm rooting for the Cleveland Indians or Indian, damn it, Guardians to play. Dollar in the jar, Herb. Dollar in the jar. To play very well in this game tonight uh, versus the Yankees and close it out. Don't go back to New York. Don't give them any more sh shots to win this uh, series. The Guardians get into the ALCS. I'll be rooting for them to go against the Astros and get into the World Series because 
the better they do, I think the better the White Sox do in the offseason trying to compete with them. I mean, listen, White Sox fans can have whatever opinion they want. As someone who isn't rooting for either of these teams or any of these teams, boy, are the Guardians fun to watch, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you're talking about an entertainment value, um, everybody in base, everybody who's a baseball fan should be enjoying watching the Guardians because it's different, right? I mean, I think what, when when I was a kid, it, it probably goes, uh, Herb, for you too, like, oh my God, home runs. Like home runs are so cool. It's so great to see home runs. Now that everybody just hits home runs all the time, it's, you know, lost a little bit of its cool factor. And so now we're seeing the pendulum swing in the other direction when like, oh boy, hustling from first to third is fun. Like, you know, like that's kind of uh, an interesting thing. I don't know if it's going to shift the entire dynamics of everything that the Guardians can come in here play a very different game and have success doing it. Um, it would seem a hard thing to replicate uh, in terms of a team building uh, type situation when you can very easily just say, okay, give me all these uh, cold, hard numbers on the page of how many home runs a team's going to hit. And that sounds good. Um, but uh you know, for for the White Sox, I don't think it's going to change their thing. Their lineup is still built to hit home runs. Obviously, it didn't do that this past season, but uh, that's the idea. Um, but I think maybe players can watch this and say, "Hey, look what happens when 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 you bust it every time. Look what happens uh, when you're just." you know, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall on every single play, on every single trip around the bases. Uh, I mean, watching that game the other day where Jose Ramirez hits a pop fly to left field Mm -hmm. and never stopped running like it was going to be an infield single, but, you know, like he was trying to beat out a grounder to shortstop, (laughs) but it's a pop fly and he ends up on third base. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's fun to watch. It's the reason they won the game. It's uh it's exciting for a, for a sport that is trying to get more uh you know more action. This should be a a godsend of a team. And uh you know again, I just think it's fun to watch. I, I don't think it's going to have a terrible lasting impact on the way rosters are constructed across the league or anything like that. But um it should be a wake up call to teams that or to, to certain players, not just on the White Sox, I mean in the entire sport that, hey, look what can happen when you play the game a certain way. And, and what did we hear from Tony La Russa and Miguel Cairo all year when they described the Guardians? They play the game the right way. They're showing that the right way can be a winning way right now. Yeah, and hey, maybe that sends a sign to the division. This is how you play, and we get the American League uh, Central Hustle Division, and everyone's just busting uh, or, or going balls to the walls, as he said, uh, busting their ass uh, down the line uh, on each and every play. Um, really, only Minnesota's holding the, uh, the, the division back here. Minnesota outperformed the whole division and had uh, the 13th most home runs uh, in the league at 178. The White Sox were bottom 20. The Royals were bottom 25. Uh, the the uh, Guardians and uh, Tigers were last at 127 and 110. Uh, so just, just ugly, ugly baseball there from the division. So maybe if they started hustling more, uh, we'd see better baseball, which I'd be a fan of. White Sox fans, Green Ridge Farm is a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. They're the makers of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. Meat sticks are perfect for tailgating, happy hour, and school lunches. And these all-natural sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours. And with 16 grams of protein per stick, they make a perfect post-workout snack. Meat sticks come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. If you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing out on. They are my favorite lunchtime snack. They are easy to 
reheat even if you are being lazy. I like them in the microwave. Don't tell Greenwich Farms. Probably you should try them on a grill because they're probably extra, extra delicious, but they're really, really delicious just in the microwave. They're delicious because they're made from recipes generations in the making and being all natural, they deliver a fresh and flavorful alternative at snack time. So right now, when you order any three meat products at greenrichfarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. Again, when you order any three meat products at greenridgefarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. Again, at greenridgefarm.com. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. That's why. I, over the past seven months, have been taking AG1. With one delicious scoop of AG1, I absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. This special blend of ingredients helps support my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my energy, and my ability to focus throughout the day. It's also lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, It's going to contain less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It kind of has this mild tropical flavor that I enjoy and I do really get a boost from my AG1s in the morning. It costs me less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew or coffee habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune system. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. And now, since it's the off season, we're trying to come up with, you know, daily recurring content and the Cubs guys are doing this. We're going to do this. We are giving out report cards. We gave report cards out to the whole team. I think that was back on Thursday. So if you want to go back and check out that article, uh, that podcast episode, please do. But Vinny Duber's most recent article is on Lucas Giolito and his offseason. So we're going to do Lucas Giolito today. We're going to hand out report cards for Lucas's 2021 and 2022 season, just because 2022 was kind of weird for the White Sox pitcher. Um, uh, Vinny, how do you view Lucas's 2022 season? Uh, Just now reflecting back on it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. I, I don't think anybody would say that it was anything but bad. I mean, uh, you know, the the it was probably not as bad as a lot of folks were reacting to it. You know what I mean? And just from a standpoint of, listen, we're going to be going into this offseason watching which, uh, you know, watching to see if a White Sox starting pitcher can bounce back. It's going to be Lucas Giolito. We were in the same position last year with Dallas Keuchel. I don't think anybody would say that Lucas's season in 22 was as bad as Dallas's was in, in 21. Um, that being said, though, the results were were not good at all. And and certainly nobody was more upset about that than Lucas. Uh, you know, the amount of times that he had to get up in front of us in a postgame press conference and talk about how bad things were and how he, uh, you know, is trying to fix it. And he hasn't kind of thing. Uh, it was getting, uh, you know, it was getting a little depressing. You felt you felt sorry for the guy because you know what he can do. Um, and I think that really is probably the one thing that you look at going into this offseason is, OK, in 2018, he was the worst pitcher in baseball. But uh, after that, 
three straight seasons of finishing top 11 in the Cy Young voting. I mean, this is a guy who uh, has a track record. You know what I mean? You're not just going on a small sample size here. Um, we've seen how he can step up in big moments. We've seen how he can deliver some really clutch performances. And now he's got Ethan Katz with him for an entire offseason. Uh, you know, the guy that fixed him the first time or helped fix him the first time has to fix him again. And uh, certainly the work that, that Ethan has done with Dylan Cease, with Carlos Rodon, with a host of other guys uh, would give you confidence that he can um, help the guy who he knows better than probably any other pitcher uh, in the game. So um, Lucas's season in review was a guy who, you know, you are used to seeing one thing and he gave you the other. He gave you the opposite in terms of the results because, um, you know, the velocity was down. There were physical issues that that were at the beginning of the year that that lingered throughout the whole season, it seems like, or, or at least much of it. Um, the, the big weight gain from the offseason from last offseason didn't really work. Uh, out for for a variety of reasons so and and he spent the entire year basically with you know his stuff abandoning him uh kind of searching for mechanical fixes for for stuff like that and i think it's going to come down to the mental side of things because this is a guy who's always um really focused on that aspect and uh i think at the end of the year he got some confidence and kind of saw what he needed to do in order to get through a game uh, now it's time to to bring that stuff back, bring that mecha- bring those mechanics back, and kind of pair it with the way he was feeling mentally uh, toward the end of the season. I think Thanks. Lucas is a guy that everybody saw struggle on the mound this year. Now, with me, I like to see how you battle through not having great stuff, and it seemed like for the most part of the starts that he went out there, he didn't have great stuff for majority of those starts. So that is the thing that I'm probably judging him on the most and some of those games he battled through and looked like a complete pitcher with bad stuff and would limit the uh, damage that was uh, happening to him but like I would say probably like half of those games he would just fall apart like his stuff would abandon him his location would abandon him his confidence would abandon him and those pitches would be middle middle and he would get crushed so if you look at the peripherals it doesn't look as bad as people say it is. You know, the X ERA is like in the 420s, while his real ARA is at 490. His FIP is at get 4.06. So major league average kind of pitcher right there for a FIP, but his real number said he was a 4.9 ERA guy. So, you know, he ran into a little bit more trouble, but also he gave up a lot more hard contact than he did last year. And so I think that Lucas knows that things have to get fixed. The velocity somehow has to go back up and he can attribute all these things to the injury he had with the oblique, the weight gain he had and all the various injuries and COVID too. And I hope he takes that and says, okay, I had a bad 2022. I'm none the worse for it. I can get my velocity back. I have an offseason with Ethan Katz, and I can get back to the guy I was in 2019, 2020, and 2021. That is a blip in the radar, and it's his walk year. So he has motivation to get the best deal that he possibly can in the free agent market next year. So I assume that Lucas Giolito will attack this offseason with a vengeance and will come back to be, I think he can be an ace because of the things that I say about his pitching, his actual pitching. He is a, stu- a student of the game, a student of his own game. And Vinny, I think he uh, talked to you guys in the media and saying like in game, he's trying to do adjustments in real time. And so I think he- that's what he does. Like sometimes he gives up home runs early 
and then shuts down people for the rest of the game. That's the pitcher I want on the mound. And I think he can get back to that level, which would make him an ace of this staff again. So I think that Lucas Giolito with a great offseason can be our guy in 2023. Yeah, if we look at the stats and the overall numbers, um, we could flash these uh, little cute graphics that uh, we have made and we'll be using. Uh, you could see in 2021. And no one will see. Well, you know, maybe I, this is, this is recorded, so I could always post it on, on social. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll there be a little social clip. Uh, but you look at the report card for 2021, uh, the results that we gave for Lucas Giolito were B plus. You'd probably look at his 2019 and say that's an A plus season. 2020, that's an A season where you have a 3.41 ERA and a 3.48 ERA, um, sixth in the Cy Young and seventh in the Cy Young. It really doesn't get much better than that. In 2021, Lucas did take a little bit of a step back. He had a rough first half. People think of the infamous, uh, and infamous is the, the bad one. Um, famous is the good one. Infamous is the bad one. We had that discussion mm-hmm. recently in CH in the CHG offices. Um, shout out to Cody. Uh, but the infamous Boston, <laughs> uh, early Boston start in 2021, you know, it wasn't Lucas's best year in 2021 but i think most people would take that when he finishes with an era of 353 um and it also seemed like in the second half he did up end up making adjustments that ended up helping him uh later on in that year so you'd get a results of b plus um stuff command i'm using eno saris's stuff plus grade um he finished in the top 100 of pitchers who threw over 100 pitches in 2021 in stuff plus and command plus so uh, you know, when you're taking in uh, velocity, when you're taking in uh, when you're taking in spin uh, and then when you're taking in location, um, you know, Saris has been able to use a lot of different metrics as well um, to put together pitching plus. And Lucas Giolito last year was around a 102, which would have put him in the top 100 pitchers. I think about 600 would have qualified um, if you're looking at 100 pitches. So I would give him a B plus in his stuff and command um and then overall we'd give him a b plus um for the 2021 year but you look at 2022 and you look at the era of 490 161 and two-thirds innings pitched um you look at the whip as well being 1.435 um 9.5 hits allowed for lucas mm-hmm. giolito uh 1.3 home runs allowed uh per inning uh 3.4 walks per nine uh, and then 9.9 strikeouts per nine I think the biggest thing for Lucas is those walks and those hits clearly. Um, but you talk about the fit there, Herb, when you're allowing hits with one of the worst defenses in the league, you know, that's going to lead to longer innings. And then when you're walking people, especially to start off an inning, then you're putting a guy in first, you don't have the best catching defense. Well, you know, especially against the guardians, they might steal second base, right? Like it got out of hand, Lucas, very, very quickly. And that's why it just seemed very clear that if he is going to get, B plus results, he is going to need that stuff to be B plus or better because I think that his mechanics are just so difficult for somebody being six, six to repeat. And that's why, you know, he had to go back and Ethan cats and, and, and make it a major league delivery, but still we're looking at the int- uh, the intricacies of this windup. And the fact that I think this oblique injury tanked him so much Early on in the season, you saw how he was hitting 95 early in spring training. He looked great in that Detroit start, and then he left. And then he really didn't look the same. He also cratered kind of in the middle of the year, kind of started off hot, cratered in the middle, and then kind of picked it up in the latter half. So I think that Lucas showed enough spots where 
Um, you look at the F results, having a 490 ERA, um, the stuff uh, command um, from Eno Saris would probably be a C minus, um, finished in the top 300 of uh, pitchers. Ooh. So he was like 300 out of 600 uh, when it comes to uh, stuff plus, but it's around 99. So he was only about a three point drop off and we did see a ton of velocity dip. So if he goes from 91 to 95, I do think that that C minus can turn back into a B plus overall Lucas would get a D minus. So the report card for Lucas Giolito in 2022 uh, results F stuff command C minus and overall uh, that goes to a D. I think I did my GPA right, but uh, Lucas, you know, I, I think there's enough signs and enough things that they have in place, like Ethan Katz's uh, teaching and the fact that he can actually contact Ethan Katz this off season. I, I think we could see that D minus definitely at least get up to C plus B minus next year. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I, I think you look back at the track record more than anything and you and you say, you know, has this been some sort of like falling decline or was this a guy who was right. one of the better pitchers in baseball for three years and then just had a bad season? Um, you know, I, I look at that that F grade on the results and I do think it's a little skewed. You know what I mean? I think it's because I think people look at it as being relative to uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying in, in people's minds, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can I jump in it, though? Cause sure. he, he should have gotten an F plus, but you guys won't let me give him an F plus. That's not a thing. There's no <laughs> such thing. As I'm F just plus. saying you gave him a D, uh, I think a D and then Herb gave him an F. So it just, it's, if, if you fail one, you're going to get an F. The point being <laughs> that in most people's minds, I think they looked at him as what he was the weakest link in the starting rotation, especially after uh, Dallas Keuchel was DFA would early in the year. Um, but I, I would think about it this way. Are you what sort of scale are you grading on? Because like, think of was Lucas Giolito so much worse than his normal self compared to the season that Yasmani Grandal had or the season that Yohan Moncada had, whereas like those guys right. were just shockingly, you know, uh, the results were so shockingly poor compared to what you were expecting. Lucas Giolito's results were not good at all, but they were they suffered, if this makes sense from being the worst of the starting pitchers. And I think so many people on, on social media all year were, were going along and saying, you know, this is a, a guy who has to go. This is a guy who has to get kicked out of here that, you know, get rid of him just because he was the worst one of the five. And I think if he's better, even just if he's middle of the pack next year, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, if Lucas, Gial if, if a, an average ish Lucas Giolito is your fifth starter, like your starting rotation looks, looks pretty good. Right. Mm-hmm. Did and, you just Herb look any different? Oh, you didn't see it? Well, I don't think you got to bring this up now. I think you should probably wait until the show, we, the live show we do on Monday when everybody can see it. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll, shut, I'll shut up now. I'll shut No, I'll just shut up. You know, 30 <laughs> minutes into the podcast, I just realized that. I, was, yeah. that, I noticed that as soon as it came on. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> well, I thought he just, he recently got a haircut. So I thought it was just like it's bald. <laughs> it does kind of blend in the scene. But, anyways, Herbzilla, but, uh, Herbzilla the worm. <laughs> to answer your question, like on my grading, I grade the individual. So I think the individual, like Lucas Giolito, I expect a certain level of this, that, and the other pitching, performance, grades, all that, or um, stats, all that stuff. And so for him individually, I give him the F because he fell from where he was last year, which Sean said wasn't, you know, 2019 or 2020. Still great, I thought, last year, especially coming back from a horrible start, especially that Boston start. And so I would have gave last year, I think I gave him a B, B-, minus, where he came from one level and then he 
work through problems and figure out what he needed to do to get people out. This year, it seemed like he was doing that early, but the stuff left him. The fastball wasn't there. And so his performance wasn't the same as last year, even though the numbers might look close. Like if the FIP of last year, I think was a 3-7 and the FIP this year is 4-0-6. So it's not that far away. But I think the results and where I think of Lucas as being the ace of the staff, ascending to that, uh, keeping that mantle as he started on opening day and then ended off this year as the fifth starter. So I think that's where I go with his individual grade. And I, yeah, Yasmani and, and Yohan, yeah, they're the they're getting, failures they're getting of Jays. They're getting oh, yeah. Jays or, 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 <laughs> or, or, or you know, Qs from, the, from Herb. Well, yeah, I, I want to... Yeah, that's how I, I will do the individual, and it won't seem even. You know, Lucas probably gets a, you know, a fifty nine, while those other guys are getting like thirteens. Well, I, I want to talk about this, like with Yasmani, I think it's different with a catcher having a back and knee injury at thirty four years old compared to Lucas Giolito, who right now I just want to make sure is twenty eight and just turned twenty eight back in July. Um, you know, well, let's look at the athletes themselves. Like Lucas Giolito, a former top overall pro- uh, uh, prospect. You look at the th- the three years that he did have before this. Like, I think there's enough signs and enough excuses to say, like the COVID, um, not being able to talk to Ethan Katz this offseason, overlifting, overexerting his oblique, then hurting himself, and then throwing his mechanics off. Like, I, I think enough of that is to see, all right, what is Lucas going to look like in 2023? Like, I, I have enough to... Just take a deep breath. They're going to go to arbitration with them. They'll probably settle for around like nine point, you know, six to 10 around there. Um, and then Lucas will be your fifth starter. And I think that the will fact he? that he, well, fourth starter. He's fourth That's what I'm right saying. Now. That's what I think. That's what I think is the most interesting part of Lucas Giolito's offseason from a team standpoint. Obviously, Lucas Giolito is going to be working to try to bounce back, right. but you're not going to know whether he's going to bounce back until mid to late February at the earliest, right? Rickon's got to go build a roster before then. And so I'm, I think you're going to find out a lot about what the White Sox think in terms of Lucas Giolito bouncing back. If they have the confidence that it seems like all three of us have that he can get back to much better than he was this past season, if not much uh, better than, than he's been or where he was uh, earlier uh, in his career, uh, then I think, they go get a fifth starter, right? They go get somebody to, to round out that rotation and call it. If they go out and get a first one through three kind of guy to go up there with Cease and Lynn, what does that say about how they feel about Lucas Giolito going forward? Now, obviously, it could all work out terrifically. You go get your top of the rotation starter. You've got Cease. You've got Lynn. You've got Kopech. And then Lucas Giolito becomes Lucas Giolito again. And all of a sudden, you've got the best rotation in baseball. Great. But I'm just saying – don't you think that with so many other areas to address, especially after Rick Hahn called the offense the biggest problem of the of the past year, don't you think that the way that they fill that starting rotation vacancy says a lot about what they think about Lucas going forward too? Well, and and also Kopech as well, just because this this was his first year starting, he didn't even eclipse 120 innings. Like you know, maybe maybe that also means something about how they view Kopech and his long term uh, future as a a starter. Yeah, and then you've got Giolito with the contract coming up too like you know maybe if maybe the insurance policy isn't well we think Lucas Giolito might be bad again maybe the insurance policy is well we think he's going to be really good so we'll go out and get a guy that could replace him if he happened to leave after the 2023 season right and I think if they think like us three that Lucas Giolito is going to have a good bounce back I think extension talks have to take place 
two, three years. So if you think he's going to return to old Lucas, you can get him at a cheaper price right now. And maybe he's more willing because of the bad year he just had to settle for something where he's eaten up the first couple of years of free agency and he gets a deal that is decent, but not the earth shattering money that he would have got if he was coming off the 2020, the 2021 season as a free agent. So, you know, I don't know if they will risk that or if they would want to do that because they don't know. He's a mystery right now. He's had two bad seasons and he's had three good seasons in between, which is the real Lucas Giolito. If they believe like us that he is more of a top of the rotation starter, which I think he'll bounce back to next year, I think it's not a bad idea to at least, hey, go to Lucas's uh, agent and say, any talk conversation, any talk you want to have right now about two, three year con- uh, extension right here, eating up this last RB year and first two years of his uh, free agency. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Lucas is just being that close to being a free agent. I think he's just going to take that, especially with not having to deal with arbitration and, and being able to go out and perform this year. We saw Aaron judge in a contract year have, you know, a historic year. I, I think that, he'll take that one year of arbitration and then just hit the free market just because what his actions have said, I mean, all the way from when he was a prospect is he's looking for the most money possible for himself and his future. So I I don't think that's going to change. I don't think one bad year is going to even open up the talks of I'm going to take anything less from my ability to max earn as a free agent. So, and especially, I mean, he's the player rep for the Sox. So I think he just wants to really, you know, take as much player freedom as they have earned through that union as possible. So I I would be surprised if they did extend Lucas Giolito, just mainly because of who Lucas is rather than any, you know, deal that may or may not get done. Because I I think also too, you look at Lucas and we ended up giving an F an F for results, but you look at uh, pitchers who qualify with 160 innings pitch this year, Lucas Giolito would have been 37th out of 46 qualified pitchers. Not great. Um, but he was better than guys like Robbie Ray and Charlie Morton, which I would find surprising. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that as a fourth starter, especially with Davis Martin possibly being your fifth, I'd be all right with that. I, Sean's I think, not getting any free, uh, getting any starting pitchers this offseason. I, I don't know if they need it. You know, I, I, I think I, I think the pitching's fine. I, I think Dylan has shown that clearly he's a top of the rotation pitcher. I, I think. Kopech's development is going to be extremely crucial to that being the plan. Uh, he needs to be able to show that he can pitch at least 150 innings. And he's got to show that he can have a working breaking ball. Cause it really only seemed like his fastball was the consistent pitch for him uh, night in and night out for when he was starting. So I, I would say that I think starting pitching, especially looking at the budget just might be too much of a long shot unless they go out and trade a guy like Vaughn. Like that's the only way that I think that, they would be able to go get a starting pitching, especially with some someone with control if Lucas is going to be leaving, um, would be trading Andrew Vaughn for that. I mean, you look at Arizona, maybe Zach Gallen or uh, Merrill Kelly, like those would be the two names that stick out to me um, if you would look to go get a starting pitcher. But I don't really want to give up Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I would, I would probably tend to think that we'd see more deals like Vince Velasquez and Johnny Cueto and it's all right, Davis mm-hmm. Martin, go beat those guys in spring training right. kind of thing. Um, and maybe he does, and maybe he's very good and that's fine. Um, who says then, Vince Velasquez isn't coming back? <laughs> I, well, 
a lot of people probably. But uh, was he that bad? I mean, Vince Velasquez, career-wise, compared to who Vince Velasquez? I mean, it's a guy who you signed. I mean, you you know who you signed with Vince Velasquez. He well, I think they signed him. I don't think I know they signed him hoping he would be a lot better than he had been, especially from a results standpoint throughout mm-hmm. his career. Um, I don't know if they got that, not to mention the guy was on the injured list for like what a month and a half at some point, wasn't he? Uh, That's but, forever. Yeah. This is, uh, but here to be fair to Vince Velasquez, this is his lowest ERA since 2016. Well, cool. That's not a high bar to clear. I, I know. Just but, saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's my terrible point for a being, long time. My point being, I think you'd probably be more inclined to see signings like that in that vein uh you know some of those signings have worked beautifully johnny cueto some of them have not Irvin santana but i think uh, the idea is you'd probably see something like that where the risk was low enough that if davis martin does beat out that person in spring training for a rotation spot you can just cut bait on that guy and say okay what does it matter we gave him a minor league deal who cares kind of thing um that would seem to be a logical way to go. But I also, you know, again, I, I think there's a whole ton of mystery to what the White Sox are going to do this offseason. And um, especially when it comes to guys who are currently on the roster. Uh, and, you know, if there's an opportunity to upgrade that rotation, I think uh, I don't think they would hesitate to take it uh, should it line up with everything else they're trying to do. The problem is uh, it's very much a um, a puzzle where one every single piece is going to affect every other piece right now. Uh, and I don't know if it's easy, if it's as easy enough as just saying, Oh, there's a starting pitcher. We like, let's go get him. I think a lot of other stuff has to happen, not just on this front, but basically every front that they're going to face this off season. Well, and there was a report recently, I think it was from Scott Merkin and I think it was from Daryl actually um, that he said the report would be that Ethan Katz is likely returning in 2023 and Kurt Hassler. So I think with that news, the White Sox probably trust Ethan Katz enough where if the offense was the problem, I think all of the resources will probably be going into fixing the offense and adding players to that department. And Ethan Katz, especially with the growths that we've seen from Ronaldo Lopez, Jimmy Lambert, Davis Martin, um, Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon, like I I think he's earned the trust of let's go get you some some barrel bins and, you know, can you give us another Johnny Cueto instead of a Vince Velasquez? And, you know, obviously that's not at all on Ethan Katz, but uh, Mm I forget. Yeah. You know, I think, I think they're going to trust Ethan Katz this off season to see what he can work and what what magic he can. And having Davis Martin in the fold has you a chance to just, as you guys said, uh, Ethan Katz can just fix Davis Martin to be the best version of Davis Martin in the off season. So we don't have to go and get, high market pitcher a b or c we can we have a guy that gives us value from guys who are not that great or seemingly not that great in johnny cueto and yes vincent velasquez didn't pitch exceedingly well but he pitched vincent velasquez that's that's his full his full is it vincent formal his formal name that's what you use there yeah he doesn't do well you know the numbers don't seem eye-popping but he did come in in a couple games you're like all right philo you're doing well, and I can the Mike attribute- Trout game. Yeah, and I can attribute that to Ethan Katz, and it just you see differences with these pitchers. Like I didn't think Jimmy Lambert was gonna be a thing. He's a thing now. Same thing with Raylo. He is both those guys who are failed starters. He has pretty much made them into major league assets and made their futures look bright. And so, yeah, if you think that Ethan Katz is that dude you maybe not need a top of the rotation guy and trust that Ethan Katz can get Davis Martin up to major league level, which we, he was pretty much all this year. So you're going into next year with a starting rotation that I think most people would say pretty good. 
not elite, but if Lucas Giolito gets back to elite, then it can it can become elite. So there might not be a need for a top of the rotation or any middle rotation starters. This football season, points bets bring you a better way to bet live on games. That means before this ad's over, you can place a live same game parlay bet. You can bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet. So whether on the move or on the couch, do it live on points bet. Hey, you could be in a bar watching these Sunday games. And what you can do is you can click on the game that you're watching and you could place a bet on the next drive. If you think they're going to score, you know, maybe the Detroit team's going to score a field goal or a touchdown on the next drive and you just feel it in your gut, you can put money down with points bets, lightning bets. I think it's such a fun way to watch the game live and interact with it live. So download the points bet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody who has a gambling problem wants help, call 100 for crisis counseling and referral services. Do, do we know who the White Sox two best starting pitchers are right now on the roster? Yes. Yeah. Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech. Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn. I I, I, th- I think if if Luke like if Lucas comes some, out of the uh, is this up for debate? A, I, well, currently I, I as think, we stand today, you mean? I think looking at the past results, I think the 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 answer would be Lance Lynn and Dylan Cease. I think potential it's Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, especially if D- Michael Kopech is healthy coming into the 2023 season. You'd assume that he'd be able to add more to his workload, be able to produce more, and we saw you know great results and for Michael Kopech. I mean, a, a, an under three five ERA is what Lucas Giolito got a B plus for last year, um, and, and he did that in his first year. So I mean, Michael Kopech, I, I don't think it's the craziest answer. Um, I'm, I might be inclined though to say Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito just because we've seen the track record before, and I think if Lucas is able to add velocity and get that back this year, um, he he's usually pretty typically good with his control. Um, I think the issue looking at his control this year, he was mainly uh, expanding a little bit and going more east to west. If he stays more north to south like he usually is, I think it's probably Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease. So right there, you we had an answer where all four pitchers were used. So I don't yeah. think the rotation's an issue. And if finding you're talking that about starter, what if, if you're talking about the what if of it all, yeah, I think any combination of those four guys you could have as the as the top two pitchers on this team. And I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. not a bad thing. I think yeah, that speaks well to where they are. Um, and and I don't think uh, you necessarily need to say, um, oh, okay, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, and Rick Hahn's not going to do that. He's going to keep his ears open, obviously. But um, uh, the the idea that uh, you've got a very good rotation and it might end up the strength of your team is extraordinarily realistic for the White Sox in 2023. Absolutely. Um, And that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That's how we do it, friends. Uh, It's report cards for Lucas Giolito in 2022. Again, we are giving him results-wise an F uh, for stuff slash command. We are going to give him a C-. minus. Overall, it's a D-. minus. This is going to be a huge year for Lucas Giolito. Hopefully he can bounce back to his 2021, 2020, and 2019 self, not only for the White Sox, but also for his future as he has pending free agency in his future. It will be an interesting offseason for Lucas Giolito and for Ethan Katz trying to get him back to where he was. You can read Vinny Duber's full article at allchgo.com. He goes more in-depth into the offseason for Lucas Giolito and what it means for Rick Hahn and Lucas Giolito and the White Sox for Lucas Giolito to bounce back in 2023. That's Herb Lawrence. I can't wait for you to see what he's got for you. <laughs> How Monday. long did that take you? Uh, probably an hour. I had to do it twice because, right. you know, it's hey. still, I need to tone it out to get rid of the orange. <laughs>
it, it wasn't like, shockingly bad. I mean, it, it was very like, you know, it was very uh, maybe in person. It would be discreet. shockingly bad. Look, yes. Tune in four o'clock Monday. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ectorwall23. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Again, read his latest article at allchgo.com. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for Jose Abreu's report cards for the 2022 season. And we'll probably get into more discussion about where the White Sox will go in the offseason. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.